What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It really brings simplicity into your life. And I think that's what so many people are looking for. I like the kind of off-the-grid stuff. I like getting up and hiking every day. I like having a goal of from A to B. You know, it, it ticks all the boxes for me, but it's really that simplicity of, you know, eating, hiking, sleeping. Welcome to Jump Podcast, formerly known as the Budget Minded Traveler. I'm your host, Traveling Jackie, and I'm here to explore travel, adventure, and lifestyle in ways meant to motivate you to move and get out and see the world. Let this show be a source of travel advice and inspiration, but remember that in the end, it's you who takes the leap. Hello, and welcome back to Jump. At the end of the last episode with Sherry Ott, uh, which was about the Kamano Kodo trails in Japan, I promised you a little world tour would be happening in this episode. And you may have also noticed towards the end that Sherry mentioned that she's done several other hikes that are similar long distance hikes. And so I actually decided to get serious about my comment of having her talk about those on the show. So... Sherry's actually back already to be our guide on this world tour today. We're going to get into three very little known trails that you can hike either hut to hut or camping uh, for varying lengths, all in different countries. Plus a little bonus at the end where we get to find out about a couple states as in United States, which are starting to catch on to this great idea of hut to hut hiking. So Lots of adventure ahead of us today to close out this series of hiking and trekking. Um, Also, if you are driving or treadmill running or whatever it is that you're doing and can't take notes, don't worry because I've included links to Sherry's comprehensive blog posts full of details for all of these hikes on the show notes page at travelingjackie.com slash podcast. So that is there for you if and when you forget the details that we're about to talk about today. Today's episode is brought to you by CashSwap, an innovative app which facilitates peer-to-peer foreign currency exchange at airports. And the best part is that it's completely free to exchange your foreign currency. Yeah. And you don't have to just imagine how much money you'd save because you can see the savings calculated right there in the app every time, along with the current exchange rates. It's super easy to get started. Just download the CashSwap app on Google Play. They hope to be in iOS soon, so keep an eye out for that. Then open the app at any airport. You can enter what currency you have and what currency you need. And then you can see available swap connections and their ratings from other members, which means that CashSwap makes safety a priority so that you can choose in advance who you're about to swap with or not. Uh, Pretty cool that someone is finally challenging the outdated and expensive status quo of currency exchange in airports, right? That's CashSwap and you can learn more at cashswapapp.com or find it on Google Play. Our other supporting partner for today's show is Escape Campervans. They are the largest campervan rental company in North America with over 600 vans and 12 depot stations across the US and Canada and 
Each and every one is uniquely painted by artists in LA. So that's pretty cool. Uh, They can sleep up to four to five people because the table and benches flip up to create a queen bed. And then you can add a rooftop sleeper as well. Plus, they even have bedding and kitchen kits available for rent so that you don't have to come prepared with all of your gear. You can just rent what you need and go. The vans fit into most tent sites and parking spots, so they're appropriate for off-the-beaten-path travel, and rentals start at just $37 a day in low season. And guess what? They're hooking us up with a 10% discount. So just go to escapecampervans.com slash jump and enter the promo code jump10 to get 10% off your first rental. Pretty sweet. Uh, Thank you so much to Escape Camper Vans for hooking us up with that. Can't wait to hear about the stories that come out of your vans. I already know that somebody is on an adventure and I can't wait to hear what he thinks about it. So Escape Camper Vans, check them out. And let's go ahead and get started with our world hiking tour. Okay, so we are back with Sherry Ott because we just missed her already. So <laughs> Sherry, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's like I never left. <laughs> I know. It, it seriously is like we just had this conversation. Um, well, you guys may have noticed that at the end of uh, the last the last uh, podcast, we were talking about, you know, the fact that Sherry's been on a lot of these. And after we stopped recording... <laughs> <laughs> she mentioned she just started listing them off and I'm like, okay, um let's let's actually talk about this seriously because I feel like there's so so many good nuggets in here and like you're teaching us about these things that we've not heard of that people need to know about because I mean, for for me specifically, one of the things, and I, I'm sure this resonates with you too, Sherry, but one of the things that is happening these days is over tourism because guess what? Everybody knows about the Camino de Santiago. So guess where everybody's going? To the Camino, right? Yes, And so um, this is really cool because we're about to learn about at least, what, three or four more more hikes, um, long distance hikes that that are available to us should we choose to accept the challenge (laughs) of doing them. So so Sherry, which ones are they? What are they? What are you going to talk about today? Well, and I'll first kind of preface this by when I completed the Camino de Santiago, my first thought was like, oh my God, this was so awesome. How can I do this again? Mm -hmm. And because I'm someone who hates to do the same thing twice, I, many people do the Camino de Santiago over and over and over, Mm. but I was on a quest then to find like, where are other things like this? And that's what led me to find a bunch over the past, I'd say seven years now, I've been like working on these um, anytime I can yeah. uh, as I hear of them. And it is becoming more popular. And the other thing is, you're right, the over tourism, I'm always looking for like, what's the, the next great place mm-hmm. that isn't crowded yet that offers something similar to the Camino. Yeah. So that's kind of shaped your travels, actually, hasn't actually, it? It really has. Absolutely. I think probably at least one or two a year, I try to do these. And granted, sometimes because of my schedule, I don't have time to do the whole thing, Mm -hmm. but I will do parts of it to get Mm -hmm. enough of a feel for it to be able to write about it as a whole. So yeah, because some of these, I mean, so many of these long distance hikes can take, you know, over a month sometimes if you really do them that way. Mm -hmm. And I did the Camino like that, but you know, that was so back when you had time. To... Yes. <laughs> you guys, Sherry ago, travels yeah. constantly. <laughs> it's a wonder you hold down a home base. I, I, yeah. Well, I'm definitely gone more than I'm here this year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but so with that in mind, what I tried to do is kind of pick different places. And I have four or so, three or four, I'm going to talk about today that we can highlight that are in different parts of the United or different parts of the world, I should say. Mm. Um, One that's in Norway, uh, one that is in another one in Spain, but just, you know, like way overlooked, no Mm. one knows about it. And uh, one that's in Turkey, which is a really interesting one. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening in the United States. uh, with this style of hiking. Mm-hmm. Great. And I'm it, excited about those ones too. Cause like yeah. local backyard. They're, they're, I know. And mm-hmm. they're, yeah, it's exciting because mm-hmm. this form of travel, this long distance hiking pilgrim or uh, pilgrimages are so popular right now. And how I define it is really kind of these 
what I'm always looking for is, I guess, you know, longer hikes, a point A to point B, where you don't have to normally carry camping equipment and your own food, right. where you can do it from like village to village or, you know, place to place. Yeah. I love that because the the gear is very restrictive. It's it's exclusive. Yeah. It, it excludes a lot of people because A, they don't have the gear or they don't want to purchase the gear for one trip. Also, it's hard to travel with that gear. Yeah. <laughs> or also, like for someone like me or or you, like we both used to be, total nomads, like one bag, you know, like we can't carry all the camping gear at the same time. So the hut to hut stuff, I mean, you can jump on that as long as you have the clothing you need, you can jump on that no matter what your trip looks like, what kind of traveler you are. That is what I really like about it. And they're, they're so easy and they're a little bit more comfortable, (laughs) you know, I mean, yeah, I am not opposed to camping. I love it. It's such an adventure, (laughs) but sometimes it's like, okay, let's just get a hot meal and a roof over our head and have somebody else carry my bag. (laughs) Exactly. And, and actually one of the hikes we're going to talk about the Turkey one is kind of a combination of those things. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. So there are options, obviously, for for both. But mm-hmm. I try to find those things that are that yeah that have the lodging. Sometimes it's really nice lodging, and sometimes it's extremely basic with an mm-hmm. outhouse, but it's still some sort of lodging. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. Okay, let's get into it. Okay, so we'll start with Norway because to me, um, well, first of all, it's called Saint Olav Ways. Saint Olav Ways. Or, Is that with an F? Or V no. or how is it O-L-A-V. spelled? O-L-A-V. O-L-A-V. Olav. Mm-hmm. St. Olaf, Olaf Ways. Okay. Yes. And it, you'll also see it mentioned as, I'm going to murder this because I don't have a Scandinavian accent, <laughs> but you'll also see it <laughs> mentioned as Pilgrim Sledden. Oh, <laughs> Pilgrim Sledden. Sweet. Okay. Yes. And more so more Norwegian for us. We just had a yeah. Norwegian yeah. episode a little ways back. Oh. So, yeah. Yay. You know Jason Moore? Do you know Jason Moore from I Zero don't. to Travel? I've heard of that, but I don't know him. Yeah. He's another podcaster. It's sort of a different niche, I guess, but yeah, he was on, he lives in Norway. So he was on here teaching us some Norwegian that I absolutely butchered. I mean, (laughs) yes, it is possible for me to butcher languages. And I did with that one. (laughs) So yeah, no no worries there. (laughs) So, but the important thing is that you'll find it. If you search kind of for it, you'll see it referred to as both things, St. Olav Ways or uh, Pilgrim Sledden. These are a true pilgrim path, much like the Camino de Santiago. There are actually seven paths. They all lead to the town of Trondheim, or Mm. they also call it Nidaros, because in ancient times it was called Nidaros. And basically, much like the Camino, you are walking these paths to get to Trondheim, to the cathedral, where St. Olav is supposedly buried. They don't actually know that for sure. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But but the idea is get to this cathedral. Mm-hmm. So there's seven paths. The two, well, the most popular one is called Gudsbrandalen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> took me forever to figure that one out. Um, it is 399 miles total. So it would take you a good four weeks. And that is one that runs completely through Norway. It runs from Oslo, which is really cool because you can start in Oslo and just walk out of Oslo and ends wow. in Trondheim. And what it does. That's a long ways. The- it is. <laughs> well, it's a month. Yeah. Yeah. Of, like okay. constant. Every day. But, so like, this is really like, similar to the Camino. It's yeah, like, yeah, it is. Okay. And, but like the Camino, you can also split it up into if you just have a week, do this section or, mm-hmm. you know, do three days of it or whatever you want. The thing that I loved about this too, in the realm of over tourism, even within Norway, where does everyone go? They all go up to the fjords and to the coast and so on, which is Troll beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I love mm-hmm. it. But what this does is it takes you right through the middle of Norway, which is not a often seen part of Norway from a tourism perspective. And it's lovely. It's rural. You know, you really meet the people. There's not many tourists coming through there. It's That's one of the reasons why I loved it. So there's also the other path that I should mention that's important is called St. Olav's Path. One of the other, one of the seven paths. The reason why I mentioned that one is that's the second most popular one. It's 350 miles, and it actually span. It starts in Sweden, and you walk oh. to Norway. So okay. that one's kind of fun for people too, because you cross over countries. Mm-hmm. Does that also take about a month? 
350 miles, a little bit less, but yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's around that. <laughs> if you're sure, uh, you can do it in two weeks now. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Maybe 10 years ago. Um, um, so this, this is, like I said, it's relatively new. This whole ancient path system uh, was revived kind of in the 90s. And the, the cool thing about it, too, is that it's extremely well supported from the government. Uh, whereas it, it actually, it's, I think it's, I would call it a government entity called Pilgrim Sledden and, you know, they're supporting it, they're trail marking it, they're working with all the farmers to provide lodging. Wow, They've cool. got like five on the Gutsbrandalen path alone. They have like five, they call them like Pilgrim Sledden visitor sites or visitor huts you know, where you can get more information, you can actually stay there for the night, you can, you know, so they're supporting it in a way that's very different than the Camino, which the Camino seems to be mainly supported by the localities. Mm -hmm. Um, This is actually supported kind of at both levels, which is kind of interesting. The the hiking is gorgeous. It's harder hiking. It's, It's proper hiking, I would say most of the time. Oh, I can't remember. I think the highest point was around... 3,000 to 4,000 feet. We crossed it. So you're not dealing with elevation. No, huh? Mm -hmm. You are. I mean, altitude, like altitude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nothing real major, but it is a lot of up and down. And, you know, you can be hiking farm trails that are super easy, that are like, you know, gravel roads, or the next day you might be in boulders, you know, and going a ton of up and down. So it's quite varied. But that's what I also loved about it. When I did it, um, I did a week of it, but we did a week of very different sections of it so we could get, so we could see the different landscapes and see what it, it was kind of made up of. And it's really cool. The other thing I think to note is that this is one, however, because it is really new, you, you need to plan ahead on the lodging. So the other great thing is, the government or the entity of Pilgrim Sledden has this great website where you can do all your planning because you need to reserve in advance. So you do need to have a plan. Uh, You can't just, it's harder to just walk up to someplace and get lodging because there's so few people on the trail Mm -hmm. and lots of the places where you stay are at farmhouses or very small guest houses that you know, most of the time they don't have people staying with them. So they need to know when people are coming yeah. and what food they have to prepare. Right. So that's that makes one sense. Of the things they say is you do need to reserve along the way. It is a little bit more expensive than the Camino because of course it's Norway. Right. <laughs> like the, yeah. the lodging is more like, I think it was like 40 to $60 a night mm. for just a bunk bed wow. <laughs> and access to a kitchen. Um, Why is Norway so expensive? I know. However, if you do want to do a budget, you can camp. This is one where you can camp anywhere because I don't know if you know this, but Norway has this like, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like, you can camp anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Sweden has that too. There's like a special word for it, isn't there? It's like... It's like the outdoors is for everyone in one word (laughs) or something like that. It's a great concept. I just don't know the word. Yeah. So yeah, you'll see people hiking along the way and just, you know, pitching tents wherever there, you would obviously have to plan out your food uh, a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, If you stay in the, in the rural places, in the little um, pilgrims huts and stuff there, you can bring food and there's always a kitchen facility that you can use. And uh, normally too, at some of these places, they'll also provide a dinner if you want to have them cook dinner, but you just need to let them know in advance. One of the cool things about the lodges is the government's kind of working with these um, farms to help support them. And so many of them now have been old farms bought up or, or in the family and they've redone them to really be, Oh, they're incredible to stay in. They're just Mm. beautiful. They're rustic. Um, The food is incredible. You get waffles and pancakes. And um, so that part's really nice. I love all of that. That sounds amazing. Quaint, beautiful. Mm -hmm. And there's a, bunch of history about this. It's really cool. I mean, St. Olav is kind of the guy for Scandinavia and for Norway. He was a Viking king. um, And he basically was the main person who united Norway and uh, brought Christianity to the country. 
So there's some importance with him there. Mm -hmm. Obviously important also to Sweden. If you go to any of the Scandinavian countries, you'll hear about St. Olav. So you you learn about him kind of throughout the way. It's really well sign marked. They do not do luggage transport yet, but they were working on it when I was there. Okay. So when were you there? Last summer, last Last July. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like probably a good time to go. (laughs) Yeah. So this one's a little different too, because you can't hike it year round. It's Norway. So it's yeah. uh, the, the main time I think is like May to September Okay. before you start running into issues of snow and, you know, they don't closures the, and yeah, the huts aren't, yeah, the yeah. Huts aren't open and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it is a much smaller time period, but also some numbers that they had. Um, Cause when you finish it at the cathedral at the end, there's a, of course, an office for the pilgrims and you can, you get passport stamps and you get your final stamp and there they collect all the data. And when I was there in uh, 2018, they had all the 2017 data and that year 1000 people finished. So that's how small it is. Uh, And this was my favorite. They had a world map up at the end and they had, you know, the people who finished and they, you know, had the little map marks there. There were only four people from the United States at that time in July. (laughs) So far in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, it's really undiscovered. And I think that's the, probably the thing that excites me the most about it. However, it's Norway, it's safe. You can hike alone. You can do solo hiking. You just have to be, you know, pretty prepared Mm -hmm. uh, with food and stuff like that. Um, You you have to carry a little bit more sometimes in your pack, but it's a, it's a great, Mm -hmm. you know, alternative to the Camino de Santiago and something really different and a really cool way to see Norway and get really engrossed and intertwined with the people, Mm -hmm. um, there who live kind of in the middle (laughs) of Norway, as I call it. (laughs) Do you think, so if you wanted to go and do it camping, like if you decided I'm going to take a month and go spend a month in Norway and hike this trail, I'm bringing my camping gear, you could start in Oslo and kind of stock up. And then are there places along the way, like villages, oh, yeah. like stores? And even if you want to camp, if you go to that Pilgrim Sledden website that helps you plan the the stuff, it will tell you along the route, you know, here's the stores and stuff like that. So I would say, I would guess you'll, you will hit a village at least every two days. Okay. If not more. That's totally doable. So, yeah. yeah. So it's, you have to carry a ton of food and it would be a way to do it rather cheaply. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, and mostly when we were hiking it, um, I mainly saw Germans, lots of Germans. <laughs> the Germans Man, the you gotta love the Germans. They're oh. like seriously everywhere <laughs> and they're always hiking with their poles. I know they are. I know. <laughs> However, when we talked last week or whatever about the um, Kamanu Kodo, I never met one German, which was oh, really surprising. Hey. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> oh. That's funny. They haven't found it yet. Yeah. <laughs> guess not. Uh. So, so yeah. So uh. that's St. Olaf Ways, which okay, is cool. super. Norway. Um, oh, Norway. So high oh. on my bucket list. Yeah. Okay. And the food. Oh my God. The food was wonderful. <laughs> what was the food like? Um, <sighs> lots of fish and fresh food. The other cool thing about staying in these little rural farmhouses and mm-hmm. farm stays is if you did opt for them to cook for you, you generally got stuff that was right from their farm. In fact, I remember one of the places we stayed in was like hundreds of years old, was in the family, and everything they served us that night was from their farm. Mm-hmm. And it was fish. They had a they had a lake out there. They had we had beef, we had lamb, we had I mean oh the goodness. wine, I think they produced. It was really, mm. it was impressive. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a good one. The other one I was going to kind of talk about sort of in the same vein as these, well, sort of, is one back in Spain that I absolutely love mm-hmm. uh, called the Camino Ronda, or sometimes it's called Costa Brava Coastal Paths. But this is kind of a nice alternative in Spain where you're not going to have nearly as many people as the Camino de Santiago, Mm -hmm. but beautiful, beautiful hike. This one I did in two weeks. It's 135 miles and it's, uh, I did like a hundred of it, I would say, but it it goes, so Costa Brava, let me first orient you. Costa Brava is basically north of Barcelona. It's in the region of Catalonia 
which you've probably heard in the news because they were trying to, you know, go off and be independent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But that also makes it fascinating because Catalonia is, you know, if you've spent time in Spain, Mm -hmm. you realize all the different areas have very distinct culture. Oh, yeah. So Catalonia is wonderful. And it's so it's north of Barcelona. Um, just in fact, Barcelona is considered part of Catalonia. Um, and it runs up from north of Barcelona up to the French border. Uh, along the uh, coast, right? Yeah. So that's the Costa Brava. Here, here's um, another fun fact about Costa Brava. That's where you and I originally met in person. Oh, my God. Was that at T-Rex? <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> five, four oh. years ago. I think at least five. Yeah, no. it was four years ago. In that's where we met in person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then lots of times since then. So, oh yeah, yeah. Wow, but I you love were those just stories. Starting out then, weren't you? No, no, uh-huh. I had been going for two years already at that point. Okay. But that okay. was the year that I went nomadic. So I suppose there's a uh-huh. different way of starting out. Yes, that happened that year. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was a that was a fun trip. Um, I actually walked a little bit of this trail during that trip, too. But then because I had had my eye on this trail for a long time, it's a really popular trail for day hikes, too. So this is one that you can easily do a day. You can do five days. You can do three Mm -hmm. days. It's it's great for that. Uh, And then I was so interested in it. I came back, I think it was the next year or two years later and hiked the whole thing. And I wrote an ebook about it. Uh, that is downloadable for free on their website, on the Costa Brava website. Um, But it basically has all this kind of standard information in it about how to do it and what the trail is like. So the Cami de Ronda is basically an ancient path along the coast that runs up the coast of Spain. So it's the Mediterranean. And it used to be used for... um, how people got from fishing village to fishing village, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then at one point it was also kind of used for, um, what I want to say, patrolling the waters. Uh, so like police would be on the path to make sure people weren't bringing in bootleg stuff and all this. So it's kind of interesting, but recently they've revived the paths and they've been kind of clearing them and maintaining them now and signposting them, uh, so that you can walk this complete path. Um, the thing that I liked about this was it was, it was a proper hike. You know, you had all kinds of terrain. It was a lot of up and down. There was no altitude, but the coolest thing here is you, because it's along the coast, you hike into and actually on a bunch of these secluded little hidden beaches Mm. that you would never know exist Mm -hmm. unless you maybe had a kayak or a boat or something. So it's really beautiful. It's that seaside kind of feel you easily, easily walk to a village every day and stay there at night. And the food is incredible. I mean, this is a part of Spain that has tons of Michelin stars. You can actually even eat at Michelin star restaurants if you want along the trail. Mm. Um, We did, I think once, but I mean, the food is great. It's all seafood and each little region has, you know, a different seafood they're known for, which is fun. There is luggage transport, which is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm a fan. I actually actually hiked this with my dad, who at the time was 80, I think. So it was nice to have to just carry a day pack and move our stuff every day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um, what a neat idea. Yeah, it's a hard hike, but my dad did it at 80. So it's doable for anyone. Um, No excuses. Yeah. Exactly. Pretty sure I don't have any 80 year old listeners out there. So, you know, no (laughs) excuses for you guys. (laughs) That's true. And it's definitely challenging. And it takes you to some of these incredible little towns um, that are so picturesque, like Catechez reminds me so much of uh, like Santorini, Greece. It's Mm. this white town, you know, all these white buildings tucked away. It's gorgeous. Also along the way, which is kind of neat, is you can do a lot of cultural things. There's bunch of museums at all these different towns along the way. So, you know, you can take a rest day and go to the fish museum. You can go see, uh, Salvador Dali, um, his house and his museum that's right on the coast. So you can kind of do all kinds of stuff. The other cool thing is as you walk the whole coast, you, you change landscapes. So it goes from like really a ton of trees and 
cliffs, basically, to this like treeless, rocky, just, you know, plain rocky outcrop type stuff. No trees, heavy wind Hmm. area. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's just, you get a variety of stuff, but it's a really comfortable, like through hike, I would say, because of villages and the, the types of places you can stay. You there are campgrounds. You can't just camp anywhere, but there are campgrounds along the way. If you want to do something like that, you've mm-hmm. got a variety of budgets you can you can do. If you want to stay in nice hotels or more budget hotels, that's easy. Mm-hmm. Food ranges in price also, but it's it's kind of there's something for everyone yeah, on this path. It sounds like it. It sounds like actually to me listening to you talk about this and imagining because I saw how I do it, imagining myself <laughs> in Spain. You know, um, I mean, yes. I can picture Costa Brava, but. It feels to me very comfortable because a it's Spain. Like that's not yes. <laughs> that's not a really scary thought to a lot of people. Like, and yeah. there are a lot of people out there who know a little bit of Spanish, you know. And I mean, yes, they speak Catalan, but they'll speak Spanish with you as well. And so, yep. yeah, and so, or I mean, they'll probably speak English with you as well. But it's Spain. Oh, yeah. It's not like you know that's that's Western Europe. That's that's a it's one of the cheapest countries in Western Europe. Um, it just doesn't seem like the intimidation factor is like not there. It's Spain, you know? So like, this sounds like a really, maybe a a really good, like easing into doing one of these long distance treks, uh, an idea like this trek seems like a a good first step into this kind of dimension. I agree. Cause there's, there's more people on it than the one that we talked about in Norway. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, there's always, but it's not, not nearly like the Camino. It's like Mm -hmm. a nice trail, but you're absolutely right. This is a great way to put your foot into this kind of longer distance hiking. You can do any portions of it. And it's a nice way to just travel slow through Mm -hmm. a country or through a culture, I should say. Yeah. Um, That's a good way to put it. (laughs) Because some of these, yeah, some of these trails, it's like, I don't know, it feels like it's just, it's more about the hike. And this one to me is more about travel. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can just make it about the hike, but it's very easy to make it a complete travel experience where you hike from place to place, but you still get all that food culture, Mm -hmm. you know, the seaside culture, the fishing culture, you know, you you stay in nice places, you do museum stuff, like, you know, it's kind of like walking, traveling, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that's, (laughs) it's nice in that sense. Sorry, guys, we're just adding to your bucket lists. I know. (laughs) Love it. I love love Uh, it too. I want to do it. I actually think that whole... I mean, I think maybe because of the Santiago, or what did I just say? Because of the Camino, because of Barcelona, a lot of Spain is completely underrated. Uh, And like you mentioned, I mean, specifically about Spain, you, they don't say that they speak, you know, Spanish in Spain. (laughs) It depends on the region that you're in. Like it's a dialect and that is directly tied to their individual cultures in each of these places. I mean, Spain could be like seven countries easily. Oh, totally. And they would love that. Like, I think, I think like, yeah, Spain comes together, but individually they are like, they are from their region and they are so proud of it. And so there's so much to experience just within Spain. And Mm -hmm. it's, it really in comparison with the rest of Europe is, is, is way cheaper. Like I think Portugal is the cheapest country in Western Mm -hmm. Europe. Spain's probably the second cheapest. And then it goes up from there. I don't know if you yeah. agree, but I would agree. I, no, yeah. I would agree. It's, I it's, think Berlin is also really cheap for a, for a European capital. Um, but yeah. yeah, as far as the country goes as a whole, yeah. absolutely. And it's easy. And you know what? Yeah. The sun shines there. It's like, it's <laughs> like an easy country. I, I, when I think of Spain, I, it always comes in my head with sunshine. Like the sun yeah. is always shining in Spain. <laughs> it's like, I just go there and experience the sunshine and the food and like the people. And it's, yeah. <laughs> and I think when we did the hike, it, like I said, it was two weeks. I think we had rain only once, maybe twice at the most. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. So it wasn't bad at what all. What time of year time. was that? We, we did it in, it was May, May to June. Um, okay. I would recommend to do it, you know, that time was perfect. April, May, June. If you get into July, August, it's going to be super crowded because Mm. 
the tourism there does not revolve around this trail. This trail is a, just a side thought, really. The tourism there revolves around these um, beach seaside towns that you're walking in and out of. So it's they become very crowded in July and August because that's lots of Europeans travel there. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, April, May, June, June, you're kind of getting into the busy season. And then uh, September, October, even into November. The nice thing about the September, October is that the water is warmer because mm-hmm. you've had all summer for that Mediterranean to warm up. Yeah. And then when you hit all these secluded beaches where no one's on them, you just, you know, take off the shoes and go swimming, yeah. which is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, the other fun okay. part about this was I remember cause I hiked it with my dad, just funny, like there's a lot of nudist beaches and topless okay. beaches. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Something Spain. to remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I didn't, that didn't really hit yeah. me until we walk across the first one. And I'm like, oh, you're like, oh <laughs> yeah, I'm in Europe. No, I, there was one time, this is not in Spain, but this was in, when I was riding my bike by myself across Austria, um, yeah. I, I like was coming into Vienna. It was literally like the last hour of this week that I had been on a bike. <laughs> like there's this really, really cool thing that happens in Vienna where like in the river, in the Danube, there's this long, long, long island that has like civilization on it. And so like, there's like high schools on boats that are, it's really cool. But, yeah. um, so I had to cross over and get onto this Island. And as soon as I got onto the Island, everybody was naked. <laughs> I was like, Oh, is that person naked? <laughs> like I kind of see, and they're just like laying in the grass, like reading books. Like it's like oh, the, yeah. the nude part of the Island. I'm like, yes. Okay. I am. I'm in Europe. It's like totally fine. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just surprising when you forget. Because, you know, it's not really part of our culture to do that. And but in Europe, hey, it's yeah, completely normal. Yeah. (laughs) Funny. Okay, It was just shocking. I remember my first time and it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what it's like. Oh, right. Right. Okay. (laughs) Recalibrating. Yeah. You know, that might be a benefit to some people. I don't know. um, To go hike there. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't encounter that really on the Camino de Santiago because you're not on beaches, at least yeah, on one right. of the paths. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's so, yeah. so that was the Camino Ronda. Ronda? Yeah. Ronda. Okay. Ronda. With, uh, I can't remember what Ronda means. R O N D A, right? Secu- yeah. I think it means security or something like that. Hmm. Okay. Uh, or patrolling. Because as I told you, they used to use those oh, paths yeah, to patrol. Yeah, right. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, and now for a complete switch, yeah. uh, where are we going we'll take next? You, we'll take you over to Turkey. <laughs> um, so, a completely different environment and a, and a different kind of hike. So, this one is called the Lycian Way, L Y C I A N. L Y C I A N. Right? Is yeah. that what you said? Yeah. Lycian Way. Okay. You'll hear it also pronounced Lycian, but okay. if you hear it pronounce it, they'll pronounce it Lycian. Okay. Yeah. Um, this one I did, this was the first one I did after the Camino de Santiago. In fact, I heard about this when I was hiking the Camino and I was talking to someone, I think it was a father son from New Zealand and they were like, I said, oh, I just, I love this and I want to find other trail. There has to be other places like this around the world. And they said, Yes go do the Lycan way. And they had done it, I think the year before. So they're the ones who turned me onto it. And I started researching it and realized, wow, you know, this is cool. Mm -hmm. I love Turkey. One of my favorite places. Mm -hmm. This is also considered a Mediterranean hike. It's in the Southern part of Turkey. Okay. Uh, Takes you along the Southern coast. It's all coastal and it is about 300 miles Oops, here, I need to turn off my phone. I'm like, what's that noise? It's 300 miles and it'll take you a good four weeks. So too, if you do the whole thing, uh, it runs from the town of Fetia to Antalya. Okay. And you might've heard of Antalya cause that's a pretty big town along the coast, but Fetia is a little bit smaller, but that way you can kind of find it on the map if you look for those towns. So I actually only did half of this. So I've met another couple of friends of mine who did the whole thing. I met them halfway to hike with them. 
So, okay. in fact, I'm trying to remember the name of the town that I met them in. Kaz, Cash, K-A-S. So that's a nice halfway point okay. and a very popular kind of stop for travelers and locals because it's a great boating spot. It's a bunch of boats go out from there and it's really cute seaside town. Now, this trail, I honestly, this trail kicked my butt, but it was mainly <laughs> because I, I wasn't really well trained for it. <clears throat> um, and this trail, different from the other ones we've talked about, does not uh, have it's not easy to connect town by town. So that means that we had to carry tents and food and okay. water. So my pack was much heavier, which that's what I wasn't trained for. Um, so mm. this is really a mix between like true backpacking and kind of one of these um, pilgrimage type paths, these through hikes. Um, about every, I would say every two or three days, probably about every three days, we would be able to stay in a village. We could stop in a village and stay in a guest house and so on. And then the days in between, we had our tents and we would just camp. And for food, because we were trying to lighten the load, we did not take, you know, a camp stove or any of that stuff. We would just basically, you know, stock up when we were in these villages. Or if we walked through a village in the middle of the day, we would stock up and we would just get like bread, olives, cheese, salami, hmm, okay. you know, all the standard Mediterranean stuff that you don't have to refrigerate really right. or cook <laughs> and yeah. live off of that for a few days till we got to a town. And sometimes, like I said, you'd walk through a village in the middle of the day and you could stop and have lunch or something, you know, yeah. so ways to combat it, but you still did need to take sleeping bag tent, uh, just in case. So they also do a number of like, there's a number of companies that run hikes along the Lycan way that will either provide you that, or they'll do a section where you can do kind of village to village. Um, mm -hmm. and they have guided, you know, hikes, but you can do multi days and stuff like that. And you guys did not do guided, right? You were just doing on oh, your own. We were just completely independent. Yeah. And so I guess I should also kind of back up. There's the Lycan way, and I don't know all the history here. Um, but the Lycians were a, like a separate group and they were quite refined. Um, you know, I can't remember what century it was. It might've been 11th century. I'm not real sure, but they were very artistic and refined and they had money. And they also, I think they were taken over by the Roman empire. Anyway, the whole point of this trail and why it's called the Lycian way is along this path, there's all these old monasteries. And one of the most famous sites are these Lycian graves that are built into the side of these, of the cliffs, basically. So mm. that's kind of what this is centered around, but it's not a true pilgrimage where you're like, you know, going to a theater, uh, to a cathedral at the end. Mm -hmm. There's no like real big, huge ending point, you know, that you're trying to get to kind of right. thing. Uh, in fact, the graves, the Lycan graves kind of come somewhere in the middle or about three quarters of the way through, but there's also graves along the way, but the most famous ones are about three quarters of the way. Let's see. This one was really interesting. You know, it, it was, I would say, in my opinion, it really wasn't supported by the tourism or government at all. Uh, the, there was signage, but there were a number of times we got lost. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we did, we had some GPS points. We had a book. There's one book written in English about it with the maps, but the signs were there, but there were plenty of times where they were too far apart or we couldn't find them or, you know, <laughs> oh, no. and, yeah. the signs don't work if you can't see them <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, they weren't maintained. Yeah. So maybe one fell down or whatever. So it, it is a little bit more nerve wracking in that sense too. You know, it's more proper real hiking in that sense, I suppose. But, you know, it's a, so that's a little bit more for the more experienced hiker, I would say, unless you do it with a group uh, where, you know, that kind of plants everything for you, which you could easily too. Like I said, there are places that do that there. But the one thing I really want to focus on, on this hike is one of the coolest things I did was a section of this hike, about five days of it from the town of Cash to a town called Demre. We actually did boat hiking, which is so mm. cool. <laughs> Explain. So, I love boat hiking. So we had this I knew the captain of a boat there from the time I had 
went before. And I don't know, it's, I think it probably sleeps about 12 people, but the three of us basically hired the boat to follow us along. Cause there was at that point in the path, they could follow us for like five days. And then it, in the evening or even for lunch, the captain would, you know, he'd go anchor somewhere and then he'd come with the little, you know, the little boat, pick us up right yeah. along the trail and then take us, Okay. take us back to the boat for lunch or whatever or to rest. And then at the end of the day, he'd come pick us up in the boat again, take us back to the bigger boat. And that's where we slept and stayed overnight. So that sounds so cool. It was awesome. It was so awesome. And then, you know, it was on the Mediterranean. And so, you know, you'd get there, you'd strip off all your hiking clothes down to your, you know, like jog bra and shorts or whatever, and like hop in the water right off the boat. And it was mm. awesome. <laughs> so and then you'd have cold beer and he yeah. made all the food and the mm. food was incredible. Uh, Turkish food. I love Turkish food. It was just, and then you'd lounge around on the deck, you know, you'd lay out there. I remember yeah. I'd work on my journal and stuff and it was, it was super. And you'd sleep on the boat. You could sleep outside under the stars, um, or you could sleep down below. Yep. It didn't matter. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So if you're not Sherry Ott and haven't been to this place before and know the specific <laughs> captain, <laughs> how do you, because you did mention though, that cash is a place that a lot of boats yes. go out of. So I imagine that it would be pretty easy to just go yeah. down to the marina and find, you know, somebody yes. with a, Hey, boat lady, boat lady. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting because like I said, I knew this captain and we, we kind of devised this. We're like, Hey, can we really do this? Cause I told him I was coming down to hike the Lycan way and we might've been, I think he had done it before for some people, but like we were some of the first that he was doing this for. And when I went out um, and looked recently, cause I had someone ask me about this particular trip. Uh, he's actually made this a whole bookable thing now. Woo-hoo! Okay. So you can go to his website and we just book the him. five days and you know, he will follow you in the boat and you can walk the Lycan way for five days. Don't yep. have to camp. Don't have to carry your food. That's so it's cool. Great. So and that, I imagine he's doing it. A bunch of other boat captains are also doing it totally. out of cast. Love yeah. it. And that yeah. will be linked to from your post, right? That we're going to yeah. link to on the show notes page. Okay. So yeah. show notes page yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. Yeah. That sounds so that was, brilliant. That's really cool. It, it is, you know, and you've done biking stuff. You and I have both oh, did yeah. some biking stuff last year, I know. Um, the latest thing in biking is this whole like boat bike and boat. Heck yeah, and I'm going to Croatia in October to do that. Oh, are you? Oh, yes. That's cool. <laughs> but I love this. This was the first I had ever, I never really thought about it like this, but this hike, you know, hike and boat thing. And I just, I had never encountered it before, but it's just, it's brilliant. I loved it. And I think it's something that could really catch on. Mm-hmm. So who knows? We might be on the start of something for tourism. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> cool. Okay. But yeah, um, so that I highly recommend to go check that out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Before we leave Turkey, one more question oh, yeah. about that. Yeah. Let's talk about safety in Turkey because I... I find it interesting. You were here, you did this in like, what what was it? 2017, maybe? When did you do it? Or no, when did you do this? 2014. 14. Okay. So this is. Yeah. Or it might've been 2013 because I wrote about it in 2014. So yeah, I did it late in 2013, November of 2013. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting my years mixed up here. Okay. So, um, but this is, I mean, what you just described, coastal Turkey, that doesn't like raise any flags for me. So do you want to just speak to that real quick in case people are wondering? Yeah. I mean, and yeah, when I was there, it was before a lot of the, the latest happenings Mm -hmm. in Turkey, it was before the Syrian war. That's for sure. Turkey's interesting. You know, yes, it's the middle East. I love Turkey. I've been to Istanbul a number of times and throughout Turkey and I've always felt fine, Mm -hmm. but it is a town you need to be, or it is a country you need to be more, aware, certainly as a solo traveler, I will say, and I hesitate to say this, it was one of the only places where I did kind of have an incident as a solo traveler. But let me preface that with, you know, I've been to like 70 countries. I've traveled for 13 years alone. One time did I have an issue. (laughs) So, but yeah, so I would say, and especially this part of Turkey, 
you know, when you hear about kind of the stuff going on in Turkey, it's either at the Syrian border, which is understandable, or lots of times there's been a few things in Istanbul. But these are not things that are targeting tourists. You know, I think it's actually, strangely, it makes it a really good place to go right now, too, because that means not as many people are going. They're hungry for tourism. I find those kind of situations great. Yeah. (laughs) But that's me. Uh, So I probably have a higher tolerance than people. But you know, you see some of the stuff in the news and you have to realize that's just one little tiny area of Turkey and it's not aimed towards tourists. It's not, you know, I never had a problem there is what I would say. It's certainly in Istanbul. Like I said, I had a little problem once, but it was turned out fine. I don't know that I would recommend, unless you're a really confident, confident person, recommended doing this one as a solo hike. Mm -hmm. I would, if I had the boat, the boat, I don't worry about, but like the rest of it, the whole thing, you would just have to have, you'd you'd have to feel pretty confident about that. I would say just because also more, more so than the security issue, it's the getting lost issue (laughs) and stuff like that. And, and this is along the coast. So a lot of it is really rocky and steep. And so, you know what, um, I don't know about 2014, but I bet now that uh, Maps Me probably has the trail on it. Do you ever use Maps.me? I use that all the time. It's so great. As long as you have the region downloaded, but like while you're still on Wi-Fi, it has, it's great for uh, like driving traffic, but it's also, I use it constantly for trails because all the, all the trails end up on it. Basically where people are gets mapped out. And so, um, yeah. So if people are hiking this, then it will be on maps.me, you know, like it'll be there. That is true. There's been enough time that's gone by. I'm sure there's been a bunch of updates on that side Mm -hmm. as far as like availability of GPS and maps and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's a good Uh, point. But that is a good (laughs) note about, about, Maybe, maybe not doing this one solo, just to have somebody else with you. Yeah. I mean, you've got to be a skilled backpacker if you're going to yeah. do it solo. Yeah. That's what I would say. And have all your, you know, emergency, you know, stuff with you and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, cool. yeah. But, oh, okay. it's a, you know, if you like to be in different places and, you know, kind of really explore and go where other people don't go, this is a good one for yeah. hiking. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. So cool. Turkey. There's so Turkey's huge. There's so much in Turkey to be discovered. Um, I I spent (laughs) a a few days in Eastern Turkey near the Georgian border once. And that was just, it, I, it was like the Austrian Alps only it was Turkish. (laughs) It was so cool. You know, I love Um, it. See, that's the cool thing is there's places like that in all these countries that just get so little coverage or, you know, it's just, it's not, no, yeah. but they're, they're great mountain ranges everywhere. I love it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay, uh, well. One last thing. Norway, Do we have time? Costa Brava, Turkey. Yeah, let's talk about, and because this one's just going to be a little shorter because we have, uh, yes. yeah. So let's talk about a couple that we might be able to do here in the United States. Yes. So this form of hiking, what I kind of call a European kind of form of hiking, these pilgrim paths, these through hikes, hut to hut hiking, whatever you want to call it, um, is starting to come to the U.S. So that's the good news. Uh, but it's still kind of in the early stages. I mean, granted, we have the Appalachian Trail. We have the Pacific Coast Trail. Those are completely different animals than what I'm talking about here because those are camping, backpacking. Only, yeah. Trails. Wilderness, yeah. yeah. Like you're out there so by yourself. So I want to be clear. Yes, I know there are those trails, but you know, the, the hut to hut stuff is still a little bit new in that European style where they potentially move luggage and provide food and lodging. However, last fall, I was turned on to one of the coolest things. Um, Maine, the state of Maine has a hut to hut system that is incredible. So it's actually, it's called Maine Huts and Trails. It's a nonprofit organization, which is kind of interesting. And they have built what they call four huts, yet they're not at all huts. They're beautiful <laughs> eco-lodges, if you ask mm-hmm. me. They're incredible. Um, built four huts kind of in the, uh, what is it called, the Western Mountains there. If you've ever heard of Sugarloaf for skiing yeah. up in Maine, it's near there. In fact, you could see the, the ski hills um, when I was hiking. But the four huts are connected by a series of trails. Uh, in fact, I think it's 
when you look at it as a total, it's 80 miles of trail. Um, on those trails, they have separate mountain biking trails, separate hiking trails that go from hut to hut. They also, as a really cool alternative, and I did this between one of the huts, you can canoe between part of them. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. so you can canoe hut to hut, which is Maybe really cool. You can so I think paddleboard. Ooh. Ooh. Boy, you'd have to have some good paddleboard skills. Not because of <laughs> It's just a long ways. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. 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 Multi-sport. Like multi-sport yes. hut to hut. <laughs> I love it. That, oh, there's a good idea right there. Hmm. I like that. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe we're onto something. Hike, hike and then bike, bike and yeah. paddleboard. Yeah. And kayak. I'm in. <laughs> we need to start it. There we go. <laughs> we can do it in Montana. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, so this, this, you know, does provide a few different elements. This whole system was started uh, in Maine. Oh, gosh, I don't know what year, but it wasn't that long ago. Um, It's probably been around for 10 years or so, Mm -hmm. but they've really developed it. It started all for a winter trails for cross country skiing. So oh, that that's how sense. that all started. Yeah. Yep. And then they really kind of developed them into year round trails. Their busy season though, really is winter, which is kind okay. of funny. Cool. And how the huts are organized here is you've got these beautiful, big, what I'm going to call lodge, uh, with open sitting areas, dining room, they're staffed. I'm going to say for the big, you know, through the winter and through the summer in the shoulder seasons, they aren't staffed. It's help yourself, but they're staffed with a kitchen. They're cooking food for you. There's showers. Everything is eco-friendly, compostable toilets. They're off the grid. It's really cool. And then separate from that or connected, but in a different building are the bunk houses. And the bunk houses are normally like four bunks or so to a room. Uh, and you reserve a bunk basically. Mm -hmm. So bunk houses are very basic. They do have some heating, but they're not, you know, you still need a sleeping bag, all power is solar. Yeah. So it's a really cool off the grid experience that you can have in, in the U S hiking hut to hut, getting incredible food. You can have your luggage moved. They have a whole luggage moving service, which is really refined and amazing. I loved it. So yeah, it's kind of the complete thing, but it's, but I have one caveat mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> and that is just this year. So I did that hike last September, end of September, beginning of October last year, which is an awesome time to go. The huts were empty and it was fall in Maine. Oh. Like there's no better way to see Maine fall colors yeah. than to hike through mm. in the mountains. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, However, since then, I just had, I saw a note come across my email from the president of the association or of the nonprofit, and they have only two of the four huts open this summer because I think it's due to some repairs they need to have done. And then um, they said they were having some trouble staffing because it does take full-time staff. So it's, so you guys should go apply for these jobs so that we can open yes. the huts so that we can Another, all hike them. Another great option. Yeah. They have people working at the huts you know, from all over. And they, it would be cool to work there if you're into outdoor and you want to be off the grid for a summer or winter. It's cool. Really cool. Didn't even think about that, but yes, there's <laughs> job opportunities too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so they have two of the huts open that you can still reserve space in. You're not going to have that true hut to hut experience that way, but at least this summer, but think about it for the future. Cause it is mm-hmm. something to see. Yeah. It's great. Also, um, you can go stay at a hut for multiple days. You can reserve like three or four days there and do multiple hikes from those. Some of them are on lakes. One of them that's open, I know, is still on a lake. So you can kayak, you can stand up paddleboard, you can hike all around there, you can fish. So there's plenty to do if you want to you know, do that in the meantime. But if you want the hut to hut, definitely keep an eye on the main huts and trails and uh, definitely that's it's great. And I will just say out loud, this is summer 2019 that we're talking about. For those of you listening in the future. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and then just to keep it, you know, as we said, this trend is kind of moving to the U.S. I live in Colorado. Colorado has hut-to-hut systems for the winter for backcountry skiing. And a lot of them, you can also reserve them for the summer. They're way more rustic, uh, but they're not 
I'm going to say they're not fully there yet for the true kind of hut to hut experience. They're working on it. I know Colorado is working on connecting a few of these that make more sense and really working on the hiking trails between them for summer hut to hut hiking. So I think, I think we'll start to see more and more of this all the time in the U.S. I hope so. I I love the idea and I love what it brings. Like you, I think you mentioned this in the last episode, but you just sort of, your body gets used to this new routine of like waking up and hitting the trail. And it's so refreshing. It's so rejuvenating. And that is addicting in itself. So I understand why you finished the Camino and said, when can I do this again? You know, and then have been just uh, pursuing, you know, the same feeling in different places of the world, just doing this thing over and over. I love it. It's one of my favorite ways to experience a new place is to move through it slowly, Mm -hmm. kind of like that. I agree. Love it. Yeah. It really brings simplicity into your life. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that's, that's what so many people are looking for. I like the kind of off the grid stuff. I like getting up and hiking every day. I like having a goal of from A to B, yeah. um, you know, it, it ticks all the boxes for me, yeah. but it's really that simplicity of, you know, eating, hiking, sleeping. Yeah. That's what it is. And being good to your body, usually eating really oh. good food. And it's a great way to also lose some weight. There you go. <laughs> Quite frankly, yeah. I mean, it's exercise while yeah. you're, while you're traveling. So it's, yeah. it's super. I know the, when I um, just did, uh, Car- you know, Carly, when Carly and I did yes. our um, Swiss uh, lakes e- uh, uh, cycling yes. route in sep- October. Gosh, I'm having a hard time with words right now. <laughs> Wait, one of the things that I I couldn't get over, it felt like we spent a week at the spa. Like, And I know that might <laughs> sound strange because we were hauling our butts up these hills, you know, for yeah. a week. But we worked really hard every day, but like to the point where your body's like, yes, like, I love this. Mm -hmm. Give me more. And there's fresh air and beautiful views every single, like everywhere that you look. And every time Mm -hmm. we got to our hotel at night, we had such a sense of achievement just from what we had done that day. And then an amazing meal, usually fondue was awaiting us along with some sort of hot water. Like usually some sort of spa was involved and I can't recommend that enough. Like if you have the option to like go and like do like the hot tub or whatever it is that Uh, you you might have the option to do at these places because it it just adds to it. It felt like we spent a week at the spa. It was the most rejuvenating thing. I'm like, how did this happen? I feel like I just did a wellness week, you know, and and I (laughs) happened to also bike like 150 miles across Switzerland. (laughs) Like yeah. And, and you're right. That sense of accomplishment when you challenge your something or you challenge yourself, man, that lasts for a long time. Like mm-hmm. it just, it boosts your confidence. It, you know, it, it's a good, there's nothing bad about this. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good for your body, your mind, everything, yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't take up that much of your life. Hmm. No. Yeah. And all of these things can be done in a week. If you want, you know, you can mm-hmm. do portions of them in a week or whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So it meets our crazy U.S. vacation requirements. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wah, like, wah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bringing everybody back down from the dream bubble. <laughs> Thanks. Exactly. Just, just you know, a little reality. Yeah, no. <laughs> I do know that not everyone can take four weeks yeah. off. Yeah. Um, yeah, but all of these things can be done to fit whatever schedule you have, really. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Cool. Yeah. Uh, This has been very enlightening. Thank you for teaching us about all these cool trails all over the world that, that we could be doing that people are writing down right now to add to their lists. I hope so. They're great. Um, And yeah, as a reminder, you guys, uh, we're going to have notes for Sherry has very organized notes for all of these, all of these trails. Um, on her blog. And so they're all going to be specifically linked to from the show notes page, um, travelingjackie.com slash podcast. So now you um, put it out there, you've got to do it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm doing it. This is the, my, they keep me accountable all the time. I don't even know if they realize that, but I say things out loud because then I do them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've grown used to that. Thank you guys, by the way. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Uh, Sherry, anything else that you want to add before we take off today? Uh, no. Well, okay. I'll just once again say, because I said it, I think the last time, if you want to go hiking with me, I'm doing it in Ireland oh, yeah. in October. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So yeah, come to my website. You'll cool. find the information about yeah. the Ireland hiking. It's for a week. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Oh. You can, you can afford a week. <laughs> okay. Yes. Otsworld.com. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, again, Sherry, this has been so fun. I'm so glad we've been able to connect over this. I, I tend to really geek out about hiking and I'm glad I can have somebody to do that with. So I hope you guys all enjoyed that. <laughs> yes. And um, yeah, great. So you know where to find oh, Sherry if you have questions yeah. about these things, Ots World, Instagram or website. So yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Okay. Bye. Okay. Once again, thanks so much to Sherry for taking the extra time again to be here to share all of this great information with us. Uh, go check out her stuff at Ottsworld. That's O-T-T, Ottsworld.com or at Ottsworld on Instagram. And if that's too hard to remember, you can find links to each hike that we discussed here today on the show notes page at travelingjackie.com slash podcast. Or you can hit me up at travelingjackie on Instagram. If you want to connect with Sherry, I can facilitate that for you. So thank you for indulging me as we explored all of these wonderful opportunities to hike all around the world because it's one of my favorite subjects. Um, So I will be back soon to kick off a new series with you in the next episode. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for being here and safe travels. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.